Welcome to the Keep It Moving podcast, a show about being great. Here's your host, star of Bravo TV's Million Dollar Listing San Francisco, director of Elite Clients, Sports and Entertainment, and global real estate portfolio manager at Golden Gate Sotheby's International Realty, Ro Habibi. Let's go. Welcome to this Instagram Live episode today. I'm super excited because we're going to have a very good friend of mine, Daniel Scholl, someone that I've known, uh, God, for almost like 15 years. And uh, we went to undergraduate high school together at San Jose State University. And uh, since basically, I want to say 2006, He's been an aviator pilot. He's been working for the big airlines. He's been working for uh, the small private aviation companies. And uh, I've always been interested in becoming a pilot at one point or another. So I figure while we're here and while we're quarantined, why not have Daniel Scholl join me for an Instagram live episode, teach us how to become a pilot and uh, really just dive in on his story on how he did that what it takes to do it, and then also the perks of flying private and what that world means and what it looks like. So without further ado, I'm going to have Daniel Scholl join us right now, and let's get it started. Yeah! <laughs> Dude, what's up, man? Oh, I'm just going <laughs> to fix this camera. How you doing, man? Doing great. I'm trying to catch up to you. Wow. <laughs> I've never seen you with a mustache like that, dude. <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. You got to keep yourself entertained these times. You know what I mean? I'm surprised they let me go back to work with this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, now all you need is like one of those sick leather bomber jackets and you look like a perfect pilot anyway, right? If it cools off a little bit, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Daniel Scholl, welcome, man. This show is called Keep It Moving. It's just something fun that I've been doing on Instagram Live, turning them into podcasts and stuff like that. Just having really cool uh, people that you know I like and I admire and I'm pretty fascinated about what they do for a living and how they built up what they've done and all that type of good stuff and basically just sharing some gems with people, man. Um, I, I really like the fact that you know we've known each other for a very long time. We've been good friends and um, you're a pilot, dude, and you took me on my first private flight, which was insane. So, so, so why don't we do this for the people who don't know who you are, if you could just give like an origin story of who you are, where you grew up, maybe your, your scholastic background and, and stuff like that, and then kind of just talk about what you're up to now. Of course. Yeah. So my name is Daniel Scholl. I grew up in Orange County, California, and uh, I was in a small town called Cota de Casa. Um, I, uh, I went to school down there, graduated high school, and went to college up in San Jose, where I met Roe, San Jose State, and I uh, went to the aviation department up there. That was what attracted me to the college, and I uh, never did anything with aviation up until my first day at San Jose State, Aviation 2, day one, 
was my first. I, I was I was so fresh into this thing, and uh, and it was amazing. Up until that point, um, I grew up kind of like every other kid, just doing his normal thing. I was I knew what I wanted to do, which was pretty cool, but. Um, just playing sports, surfing, you know, being a punk kid, and I was really into music. Um, I was kind of on a music track when I was younger, and uh, I, I completely switched gears and wanted to become a pilot, and um, that's what I did. I went down to stay four years there, uh, joined a fraternity, which was an amazing part of my social leadership, you know, philanthropic life up there, and got me to... Uh, do some crazy things that I probably would have never done. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and Roe was never a part of that, though. Never <laughs> uh, and um, after that point, I graduated college with uh, a degree out of the College of Engineering in Aviation and a minor in Business. Um, and I went to flight school after that. So up until I got to San Jose, I had zero aviation. Uh, after college, um, I went to flight school and I went full time in flying uh, and just training. I took about ten months to do that, and after that point, I became a. Uh, after I got all my ratings, I became a flight instructor. I moved back to LA. I was out in Phoenix doing flight school. Moved back to LA to be a flight instructor, taught people how to fly, and did some other flying jobs on the side to build up my hours and to make the real money. I was a, a server at California Pizza Kitchen. So shout out to the uh, money maker and the family there. And uh, after that, um, I got my first real job flying a, a private jet uh, down out of Orange County Airport. And I did private flying for about seven, almost eight years before I went to a, a commercial operator, which I'm with now. So it's been a fun run. I've, I've had a kind of a, a good good run of um, all sorts of aspects of life from, from childhood all over college and moved around a lot, but now back here living in Orange County and, and doing my thing. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so one thing that I know of um, that you've done, because we've known each other for a while, is you've done some creative things in order to help you you know, accomplish what you've done now. So for people that, okay, so like when I think about, oh my God, becoming a pilot and, and flight school and all these things, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this, is, this has got to be super expensive. How, okay, so, so walk me through tips and tricks and tactics that someone um, that wants to get a pilot's license and then like complete the hours, because I know you have to do a certain number of hours and all these things have all these different costs involved. So what are some ways that you could hack, um, one, like, you know, where do you even go to flight school? How do I, do I just Google that? And then, and then when I'm there, like, you know, what are ways that I could do some cost saving and, and different things that you've done that you've told me that you did that I was like, whoa, dude, that's pretty smart, you know, for you to be able to get your hours and, you know, accomplish what you needed to do. So can, please share on that. Yeah, uh, th there's a lot of different directions you can go. Um, one direction that I did not go is the military. So that, that's one way you could get it. Uh, you, you join the military and, um, you know, you test into a pilot slot and uh, it, it's not as easy as that, but that is one way to go. The benefit of that is that 
the military is paying for all your flight training. So <laughs> that's pretty cool, right? It doesn't come out of your pocket, and you, you just go to that. The, the other side of that is that you are um, you're flying for the military for at least 10 years. So um, I took that into consideration pretty seriously, uh, decided not to go that route for, for just personal reasons, but um, the route I took was uh, was civilian. <laughs> and uh, bless you. Thank you. We um, So I went out to look for flight school. Um, this was when I was in college, and I knew at some point I needed to go to an accelerated flight training program, which basically took me from, from almost zero flight time all the way up until... Um, I could basically get paid to fly an airplane, which is called your commercial flight certificate. I went beyond that, and uh, I wanted to become a flight instructor to teach people how to fly. So the way I, I went about that is, is I, I literally, like you said, just started Googling flight school. And I was like, hey, where can I go to flight school? With some industry knowledge a little bit about, hey, where, where can I go do this? I've heard this is good, this is bad. Um, but I went to a flight school because San Jose State didn't offer flying with the program. So that was one of the reasons why I had to go to flight school after going to college was San Jose State didn't offer it. So I, I Googled some places, um, and the reason I went to San Jose was because I wanted kind of a cool university experience. I wanted a fun college experience, lived in the dorms, you know, had a good time. But uh, after that, I still didn't have any flying from San Jose, so I had to go get it. I Googled it, um, traveled around a lot, and toured these flight schools. I went all the way from, you know, place in California, everywhere in between, all the way up to Florida. This place blew me out and said, hey, we'd love to have you spend $100,000 on our flight school. That's insane. So, Daniel, why why would flight school? And look, you're you're talking to someone that has no idea what flight school means and what does that entail. Why would it cost a hundred thousand dollars? That's insane. It, it's a lot of money. So what what they do is they charge for the flying, they charge for the airplane, they charge for the instructor, and then they charge for the curriculum, the classes, wow. the sit down classes. So you have basically five major ratings and certificates that you go through to get your pilot certificate. And it takes, let's just say, $15,000 per rating. Wow. So to get through each one, you have minimum two weeks to get through each rating. But two weeks is like the most accelerated program you can go to. And they have programs like that. They have programs where you can go super fast. Daniel, I'm just I'm just saying I would be super sketch if I knew that my pilot went to a two week training course. I'd be like, Yo, my guy, how are you here in the cockpit? What's happening? But the benefit of the regulations they have in place now is that you can't just go fly a big jet airplane after going through two weeks of training. You got to get fifteen hundred hours. You got to go through a lot more than that. Okay. And then you're still at the bottom level of aviation. So what I did is um, I, I took out a loan to get 
to get all that. I took out a loan to go through flight school, but it was a cheaper loan. It was not a hundred thousand dollar loan. And um, I went to this flight school out in Arizona that had really good equipment, a really good setup out there. Um, and I really just tried to go through it as fast as I possibly could. All I did was study. All I did was study and fly. So I decided not to have another job while I did it. And then uh, once I got through that program, I was out there from February to December um, of 2007 out in Glendale, Arizona. I lived in Tempe, Arizona at the time. And uh, I, I got all my ratings all the way through flight instructor ratings. And then I decided, hey, I want to go, I want to go work somewhere. I got to make some money, but I got to build up my flight time. So that, that's the key to becoming a pilot really is getting those hours and the flight time that companies want to see. And I needed, I came out of flight school with 250 hours and I needed about a thousand hours. So this is about wow. 750 hours that I have to do. Now if you do the math on that, 750 hours that you need to gain. What? And I, I'm gonna estimate 200 bucks an hour if you're gonna pay for an airplane. So that's a good chunk of change there to have to pay for on your own to get to that time. So the other way to do it is to be a flight instructor and now you're getting paid to teach people how to fly, but you also get to log that flight time. Oh. So that, that's what builds you up, up into that flight time. What you can do, an alternative to that, is you could go uh, banner towing. You know those little airplanes that fly over the beach? Yeah. <laughs> <drag a banner. laughs> okay, you can do that. You could also go do traffic watch. You could fly over the freeways and just report, hey, there's some traffic right there. It looks like there's a little accident. That counts, too. Wow. Counts, you could just rent an airplane and go do it yourself. So there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can go uh, get build up this flight time. But the benefit of being an instructor is really the, the long-term goal of being a pilot and getting hired by different companies you you have they can see now that you have been able to successfully teach people and get them their certificate all the way from a private pilot zero hours all the way up to an instrument rating commercial rating and flight instructor rating you've been able to teach these people teach them the knowledge that they need to pass these practical exams and written exams and then uh prove that you have I guess the know-how and also can connect with people on a level that uh, you're able to teach somebody who's brand new, uh, 20 years old or even 15 years old, up to my oldest student was an 83-year-old woman who I was teaching how to fly. Okay, that, that's perfect, perfect, perfect segue. Just to, just to backtrack for a moment though, so in essence... You logged 250 hours of flight time in 10 months, right, at school. And yeah. then after that, you had to knock out another 750. And you did yeah. that by training other people. Now, you told me a crazy story. And it might be about that 83-year-old woman that you taught how to fly. Now, one, I want you to walk us through how that process happened. And then, importantly, what gift did she give you? Well, I have so many stories. I want to know about, I want to know about that. I want to know about that. Okay, good. Okay, good. good. Go for it. All right. Um, so, I worked with this woman 
for a long time. Her her lifelong dream was to learn how to fly an airplane and also to ride a little pink Vespa. Those were her, those were her <laughs> main goals in life. After she had done so much with her life, her husband had passed uh, three years earlier, and she decided, hey, I want to go learn how to fly. And I was a flight instructor at a place called American Flyers in Santa Monica. And she came to me, uh, came to our flight school, and we got matched up together, and we started flying. Now, if you can, if you can imagine teaching an 83-year-old woman, 82 when she started, how to, to fly an airplane, I mean, try to get them to learn how to use email, right? And, and that, even that, it, it, I don't know how you do that. But somehow, day after day, in repeating over and over, so we'd go up, we'd fly an airplane, and I'd, I'd get her to do something over and over, and I'd have to do it a hundred times over for her to remember one, one thing. So she, she had plenty of money, though, to spend. We'd go up for hours, and she'd love it, and, you know, half the time she's looking out the window, and I don't know if she wants to know how to fly or if she's just up there for the ride-along, but, hey, she's learning a little bit. She'd invite me up to her house um, to teach her uh, written stuff because, backstory on this woman, she grew up in World War One Germany, and this woman was uh, a, a young, young girl, um, went through the Nazi regime um, all the way through the period where her parents had to flee the country, um, but she was terrified. She had this Nazi school teacher when she was a child, and she didn't learn. She was so scared that she couldn't learn anything. She basically didn't learn math because she was so scared to go to school every single day. And uh, so I'm teaching her on weight balance, which is like you load a package in an airplane and you got to calculate, or a person in an airplane, you got to calculate what that's going to do to the weight and balance of the airplane, how it's going to fly. So a little bit of algebra involved, and, and she had a really hard time doing it. So I'd work with her uh, probably four times a week for about a year and a half is, is how long we do this. She finally got her private pilot's license, and this was a long time coming, but it, it took her a long time to gain this confidence. She broke through so many barriers that, that she would cry uh, on, you know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I, I did it, like I took off an airplane. No, it was like I could never learn math because my Nazi teacher, uh, when I was a child, put the fear of God in me, and I didn't even know my name, and you somehow broke through and got me to learn math. You got me to understand it, and you had the patience to sit here with me and to do that. So after many of these breakthroughs, and when she finally got her biophysics license, I remember being there that day. There was actually a news team that showed up in L.A., and it was a big deal because this, she was 83 years old, and she got her biophysics license, and um, a news team showed up, and uh, they did a little interview, and um, she, she, was, she was pretty happy, but she was pretty confident. At this point, she was like, yeah, I got this. I've been doing this for a year and a half. I got a great instructor. We're, we're good to go. <laughs> but inside, she was so nice and she was so thankful and grateful for the time that uh, she ended up giving me, gifting me a, a watch. And it was a nice watch. It was a really nice 
<laughs> the funny part is I didn't even know what this thing was. I was like a you know twenty five year old kid, and I was like, well, this I think this is a really nice watch. I had to Google this thing. <laughs> you can believe that. And I remember the first time you and I, I think uh, we talked about this. Yeah, dude, it was it was we were at literally we were at the Learport. We were hanging out inside the terminal in the in the private jet center area, and you were like, "Hey, yeah, I got that," because I was like, "Hey, they 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 advertise here inside your guys's jet center," and you were like, "Oh yeah, I have that watch." I was like, <laughs> "What? Well, here you have that watch." So we're we're talking about a watch, guys. That you know, it's a it's a Audemars Piguet, and it's a Royal Oak Chronograph. The watch probably right now is God got to be in the forty thousands, right? I mean, probably. Yeah, for resale, probably forty, fifty thousand dollars. But and Daniel Schultz, you guys, I have to tell you, Daniel probably took this watch and like put it in like in his watch drawer with all of his other watches, and probably didn't care what it was or how it looked or anything. He was like, "Oh, this is a nice watch. Great. Well, thank you." The guy is. So low-key, so easygoing. I love this dude. So, I mean, that's crazy. So, so, wow, man, that's, that's a fascinating story. That's so cool that she had the courage to do that. And, and it just speaks testaments and volumes about you and your patience and, and who you are as an individual. Um, I want to talk about, because this is, you know, something that's on people's mind all the time. They're seeing all these photos about people flying private and, and that whole entire lifestyle and you know you've done it now what, for nine years eight years of flying private yeah i did it. i did it about eight years yeah so so why don't you take the veils off for us normal people for just a moment who is the demographic what does it even mean to fly private um how does your schedule and how does that how does your life look being the pilot for somebody that's flying private and then um, give me just some like ideas of costs that are involved for, for living that type of a lifestyle and like some fun stories maybe that you've experienced. Yeah, sure. So I, I did it, like we said, for about eight years. It was my first real job as a pilot uh, after I was a flight instructor. And uh, I had no idea what I was getting into. I knew big, shiny airplane and uh, rich, rich people. And, things. and I had no idea. So, the lifestyle. Um, I'll first start with the customer. My first experiences uh, with, with this whole private jet thing was um, flying for this company down in Orange County, and we flew a seven-seater jet called a beach jet, or a, a Hawker 400 XT. And uh, we, we flew it all over, all over the U.S., Mexico, Canada, everywhere. We would get a phone call, and at the drop of the hat, you're in, you're going. And you don't know where, but you, I always had my uniform in the car, and they head straight to the airport, and I had no idea who I was going to shake their hands when I got there. So I'd show up, you know, we'd get things ready, and, and we'd, we'd fly off to maybe pick them up. The plane was in Orange County. We'd fly off to maybe pick them up in Van Nuys, let's say. And we pick these people up in Van Nuys, and I'll, I'll never forget this one time where uh, they usually send us a, a sheet, a list of, of who's gonna who's gonna be there, who's gonna show up. And this one time they said, "No, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you anything until I don't know ten minutes prior, or we'll let you know." <laughs> like, 
we need like concrete people. We need weights. We need you know we need stuff. Like tell us. So we let it we let it go. The plane is parked uh, in the back corner at this point. So someone, some manager calls in and says, "Hey, hide the plane a little bit." And uh, uh, we're waiting for these people to show up. They roll up uh, through these gates and um, out of the car. I'm I'm waiting to ask these people their names, right? I'm like, "Hello, sir. I need your name." And the car door flies open, and I was like, "Oh, I know that guy. I know his name." And and this is what happened on a regular basis where these guys open the car door and I'm like, oh, that's Brad Pitt. I, I know his name. I think that's his real name. That's his real name, right, Brad Pitt. <laughs> So then I have to call in to the company, right? And they have to run the TSA check, the no-fly list check. They have to do that kind of stuff real quick and, and then we can take off. But this happened on a consistent basis where um, these people would show up and I'm, I'm flying this level of person um, probably 40% of the time I'm flying athletes and celebrities. The rest of the time, it was a business person that I might never have known who it was unless I Googled them. Mm. And I'd Google them and I'd say, oh, okay, I never knew that's what Larry Page looked like. Or I never knew that's what, you know, I, I don't know who these people are or what they, I, I knew the name, but I didn't know what they look like. So this is the type of people that flew in private jets. Now, this was a level back in uh, 2009 uh, through, I don't know, I guess 2016 or so, which, um, you know, the beginning of that, we're in the recession. So I was, I was really lucky to have a job at that point. Um, I got out of flight school and, and the economy kind of tanked. So everybody was really just like happy to have a job at that point. Now, the private aviation was still flying. These guys that have money, these guys and girls that have money, still had this money, and they were going, they were using it. So I was flying all over. I was like, what slowdown? This is crazy. Like, I am I'm busier than ever. I was on the road. I'd be on the road for two weeks, and I'd fly these people to New York, and I'd sit there for a couple of days. I'd, I'd fly them back to Vegas. And, I mean, I was going on um, mini tours with, like, you know, Dead Mouth, the DJ. Flew Tim McGraw around on a music tour for a while. Um, I flew these people around. And, and the perks of, of that business um, are, are that, yeah, they'd invite you along to places. They'd say, hey, I got this going on. And, and a lot of times they just think you didn't want to go. You're just like, uh you're going to do your own thing and you got other things to do. But every once in a while, they give this like back at it. Oh, did, did, did you want to go or, uh, and I was like, I, sure. I, 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 <laughs> like, you know, I stayed at the Hilton down here and, um, I was just going to go down to the restaurant, you know, otherwise. <laughs> they, they were like, oh yeah, here you go. I have two extra tickets or whatever it was. So, uh, it, it was a, it was kind of a crazy life, but, but this level of, of person drops this kind of cash for, for one of two reasons. Um, number one, they or the, their business has it. They have it to spend. Um, and they're going to use it as a business expense. The other one was the personal expense, which um, didn't happen as often, but it was still the level where if you're going to fly to New York and back 
uh, for a round trip and you're going to stay for a weekend, let's say you're going to stay for two days in New York or three days in New York, uh, you're going to drop probably $45,000 to $50,000 in three days on a, on a trip out there. Now, for those people, if you're a once-in-a-lifetime thing, $50,000, it's like, wow, like that's a big deal. We can go out to New York. We can do that. But, you know, the $50,000 to get out there and back was just the beginning, right? Like, what hotel are they staying at? What are they doing while they're there? Are they shopping? Probably. Are they, you know, like, it just, it goes on and on. But then they do it again the next week. And then they do it again two weeks later. And then they have a business meeting, you know, in Boston. So we fly them out there and back the next day. So to do the math on how often they're doing this and how much this costs, some of these people would put a million dollars on account and they'd blow through it in six months on, on flying around. The, the, the amount that you can get done in, in six months flying a business jet around where you go directly to the airport you want to go to at the time you want to be there, that is a highly, highly productive way of travel. Insane. And I flew Panda Express around for a long time. And they were probably the most productive use of a business jet I've ever seen. We'd go to two cities per day. And they bring their sales team. The CEO of this company, Andrew Churn, he would, uh, not only would he bring me a two-atom combo every flight, <laughs> the guy would uh, fly his team out on a red eye, and he'd say, hey, we are going to uh, get to where we're going to go, let's say Baltimore, in the morning, and we're going to go straight to meeting." And that's exactly what happened. The team is like, all right, well, this is what Andrew wants to do. We're going to do it. So they fly out on a red eye. They land, wheel touch down, and these uh, Panda Express-wrapped Subarus would drive up, give everybody hugs, and they would go to the store. And they would do that half a day. They'd come back. We'd get in a jet, and we'd fly to the next city, and they'd do the second half of the day, and they'd go to sleep in that city, and we do the same thing over and over again every day. So the amount of pro- productivity that you can get is, is amazing, and that's a lot of the reason why people in business decide, hey, we're going to fly private, or, hey, I'm going to get my private pilot's license or a pilot's license and go do this myself and fly around. So I get this productivity out of, out of my business and out of what I do. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing. The pilot side is a very different aspect. It's, it's a very much like hurry up and wait. You're there, you're sitting there, and you're waiting for these people to show up, and they're doing their thing. They are in a meeting. They are, uh, you know, talking with customers. They're doing what they need to do, and you're sitting around, you get the jet ready, and they can show up. I mean, you give them like a six-hour window. They can show up any time between that six hours. And, and we're, we're ready ready whenever and for the amount that they are paying for this you want to be ready you want to be able to take them wherever they need to go without them putting the pressure on you uh you want to be able to say no if like weather safety any sort of situation like that you need to turn down which is a whole other subject of saying no but uh you want to be ready to go at any point any time Hey, I want to fly to Vail and take my family there skiing. Sir, yes, sir. 
we do it. Here we go. And what am I doing on my off days? Waiting for a phone call. Or uh, out surfing in Huntington Beach with my cell phone in a Ziploc bag right here. <laughs> waiting for a phone call. So the life of the charter pilot is, is a little tough. I was on call 24-7. I remember that. It was that. a little bit difficult to live a life, but uh, I did. I did to the best of my ability, and, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So that was through my 20s, and um, that was kind of a, you know, a couple girlfriends here and there, right? But it was, it was generally, for me, it was a single life at that point, and it was, it was a good one. Okay. So I think now that every single person watching this is super excited to go become a pilot right now. <laughs> uh, um, I remember you would literally text me and be like, um, does anyone want to go to Vegas in an hour? I have the jet fuel that's ready to go. Let's go. And I'm like, Dan, you can't hit me up in an hour, bro. You know what I mean? It was so hilarious that you would do that. But um vicariously i was living through all your photos and all the stuff that you were posting one moment you're in salt lake next moment you're in chicago all of a sudden you're in costa rica and you're in hawaii and i was like dude this is i mean look everything obviously always has its trade-offs right there's always positives and negatives maybe the fact that you're on call 24 7 and you're just playing the big waiting game obviously that could be taxing on somebody but then again like the perks of being able to fly to all these multiple destinations for anyone that likes traveling and and enjoying different places and stuff like that, that could be really exciting and cool. And um, and obviously the people that you were meeting on these flights, you know what I mean? I think they show probably a lot of respect to the pilot because, you know, everyone's lives are inside of your guys' hands at that time. Um, who was who a super, you know, cool and easygoing, memorable person that you flew around? I know that you flew uh, Kanye West around for a while. Um, who, who are some people that really like left an impression on you and you're like, wow, dude, this person's someone that I would love to hang out with. You know, I already dropped this name, but, um, Brad Pitt was way more cool than I thought he was going to be. Um, and, and one thing that really sat with me with him, um, was, you know, a lot of people tipped like cash tips and super cool. Right. I, I'm very thankful for that. He didn't tip, but it was like way better than a tip because this guy was uh, was so grateful and he would talk to me and I mean he would like look me in the eyes and like take me aside and have have an actual conversation with me but the thing that really impressed me with him was uh, the way he was interactive with his kids and his family and um, I flew Angelina and him and the kids so this was a couple years back yes but uh, he was he was disciplining the kids I mean, he was like an active father and husband at the time. And those were the things at that time that impressed me because usually what I saw were nannies and, you know, kids in one area and the parents able to do their own thing in another area, not even worried about what was going on. So those types of people really impressed me when they were able to have that what seemed to me like a really, really good balance of, of life. And, and work at the same time. So um, he really impressed me. Someone else that was really cool was Will Smith. Will Smith was one of the most personal dudes I've ever worked with. And when you talk about nice, genuine dudes, you know when they, when they come up to you and they make eye contact and they remember your name and they, you know, give you a handshake and they say, hey, great to see you, you know, and it's, it, it, 
and it's a good feeling to be like, yeah, I showed up for this, we're ready, and, and wow, this guy could have just walked on, head down, you know, on the airplane and sat down and let's go, let's go. But no, this guy said hello, he's not too big, you know, he's not too big to say hello and be a nice guy, and that goes a long way. It doesn't matter who you are or what level, that personality, that human interaction and connection goes a super long way and those are the guys and girls that really left the biggest impression on me are, are the people who have that amazing balance and the ability to go both directions with, uh, with business and family life and, and everything. So that, that was really cool. Kanye was a funny dude. He was, um, he asked me if I could take a picture of them up on the wing of the airplane. I know. I remember that. He posted that everywhere, by the way. He posted it. Yeah. And, and I said, yeah, sure, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I guess I get up on the wing sometimes. So, can I, I'm looking around like, is everybody going to be watching me allow these people to climb all over the airplane? <laughs> yeah, I we were, in, we were in San Francisco and we picked him up. Um, we picked him up up there. I think he was up, uh, he might have been at a, a basketball game. And we picked him up after that or something. And he was going down to do a show, I think in L.A. He was going down to Burbank. And, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're out there on the tarmac in San Francisco, and he hopped up on the wing, him and two of his buddies. And, you know, they do this, whatever. They do, and, and I take a snap of photo of him, and, uh, you know, I just let it be. And I think you might have texted me after, like, dude, this guy posted that all over the place or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get, but uh, some of these people, like you said, we get to travel to really cool places and, um, and also really terrible places. So you, you get a little bit of everything in between, but yeah, I'd be on, I'd be on board. Um, uh, somebody asked Aaron Rodgers. That's funny. I actually saw him um, in a hotel I was staying at. I never got to fly Aaron Rodgers, but I saw him at a hotel I was checking into right next to me in the lobby, and I looked over and I was like, "That guy's actually that's Aaron Rodgers," <laughs> and that guy he was actually shorter than I thought he would be. You know, you see him on TV, you're like, see that, I feel like that guy should be like seven feet tall or something. Anyways, we, we fly out to places like Hawaii and, and we get there for a week. Um, and we're flying a client out there and they put us up at the hotel in a rental car and uh, they say they're packing lights. So all that meant to me is that I'd have room to bring my surfboard. And I would. <laughs> and I'd surf for a week straight. Uh, same thing, I'd go out to, you know, we'd go down to Costa Rica or uh, fly out to New York and I'd, I'd call up my buddies out there and I'd say, hey, let's, let's do something, let's hang out. And uh, we'd go see the town. I, I had never been to New York so much and now I feel like I've explored every borough, every corner, I've seen every restaurant and I mean, it's impossible, but it, it was really cool to reconnect with a lot of people out there I'd reach out to. Uh, and I hit people up. I mean, every time I went to San Francisco, hey, Ro, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. A pause for it. I, I can't leave work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> See, that's the thing, man. When you're when you're flying, like, you know, at the speed of light, it's like, hey, I want to hang out with somebody. And they're like, 
Daniel, I can't go play golf for four and five hours right now, bro. I have a job. And you're like, yeah, I'm working too. But you're like, no, dude, your work is way different, you know? So, um, it's very different. And my, the, the times that I am working, you know, I'm working for long periods of time, and then I go to these weird places, and then, boom, I hit the ground, and I'm like, I got, I got a couple days to hang out here. <laughs> Let's fill my time. And for me, filling my time was like, hitting on my friends and and i mean in a way it's networking right you yeah just like reconnect with people and and you say who where where are you at who lives in this city now after college and everybody moves around yeah i, I was looking up on facebook like <laughs> hey who lives in this city now like <laughs> i'm like oh wow this guy lives here now that's cool i'll hit him up and and i would and i'd see i'd see more of my friends back then than than ever and, yeah that's and it was, so cool it was a lot of fun I think that was your brother back there. He asked a question. Yeah, my brother actually, believe it or not, he's he's training to get his pilot's license right now. He's doing the schooling and stuff like that right now. What he asked is for many yeah. of the jets that you guys drive, I think they're pretty much domestic U.S., so they fly for how long until you need to refuel the jet? Yeah, uh, it depends on the jet. So some of the jets I flew, um, we fly three hours, and I'd have to stop and refuel. Um, but obviously that, that jet in three hours would not make it to Hawaii. So the Hawaii flight, I was on a different private jet flying and, um, those, those would last seven, seven and a half hours before I'd have to fly. The jet I fly now, which is a 737, um, I could fly that. Well, it also depends on how many people you have on board, right? So the more people, the higher the weight, the less fuel you have to take. So, you know, this, this jet, we fly it coast to coast, no problem, 737. And a lot of airplanes' ranges are, are, you know, relatively similar. You got like seven, eight hour range, um, and, and then you got to stop for fuel. If you have an empty jet, man, you could tank that thing with fuel and you could fly forever, but who flies empty jets around? Not, not most of us, but, um, yeah, so you could fly, uh, most of my jets would go coast to coast, no problem, with um, basically a, a six to seven hour range. Um, but like I said before, the smaller jets, sometimes I'm flying to New York, flying to the East Coast, Florida or somewhere, we'd have to stop in Kansas for some fuel to, to fuel up. And, and we'd have to tell the passengers they'd show up and we'd say, hey, we gotta, we got to stop fuel halfway. Um, it's going to be in this little tiny town of line of cans is like gas is cheap and we're going to do it quick and we'll get on our way and we'll get you where you want to be nice and, and that was where we did it <clears throat> so daniel for the for the people that are watching and listening to this right now that are obviously a little bit more cost conscious that are not you know the ultra ballers that could spend you know the money that you're talking about for chartering the jet privately for them and their people what's a happy medium um because i know a lot of companies have opened up i mean there's the Jet Suite. Um, there's the Jet Smarter. There's the um, there's many different, I guess, companies where you could become a member of it, where you could have that sense of you know urgency, where you're going to do your business or whatever you need to do. You're doing it on a lot less costly basis and stuff like that. So, could you share a little bit about those companies, what they're doing, and how they work? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually worked for the company called JetSuite, as you mentioned. I worked for them for three years. Um, good company. Uh, times are tough right now in the aviation world. 
because of just the general economy. So uh, that that company is having kind of a hard time, as are most aviation companies. But the benefit in a lot of these companies, they all offer this lower end of um, of their product line. And for JetSuite, they call it sweet deal. And what a sweet deal is, basically, uh, I said most of us don't fly jets empty. Well, in the private jet world, we actually do. And every other flight is basically empty. So the reason for that is if I take someone from A to B and I drop them off, let's say I go from LA to San Francisco and drop them off. Well, San Francisco is where the jet is. Now we need to fly it to wherever else we need to go to pick up the next client. So if I'm going to San Francisco and I'm flying to Vegas, empty to pick up another passenger, I'm going to call up Rojo Bibi and be like, hey, do yeah. you want to go to Vegas right now? <laughs> yeah. It is when, right? When can I fly with you up right now? And, and that, that's the situation. So what that was called is a sweet deal. And they put it up online and they'd offer it. And they'd say, hey, $500 for this private jet uh, and you can fly, which would be your own jet, booze included, whatever you want. Like, that's all on there. Uh, and you could do that. So that was called a sweet deal. And, and it's empty legs is really what the private jet world calls it. It's just the empty leg flying. Um, there are separate brokers that sell just the empty leg flights. Um, and, and those are, are typically sold for deals. Now, what that comes with is, like I said, it's pretty much last minute. It's also a lot of times one way. So you're, you're getting a last minute deal to go one way uh, at, at the convenience of that company who needs to actually get the jet there. So you're able to ride along with them for a really, really low cost. But uh, if you're looking to take a vacation somewhere, this could be one of those spontaneous moves, or if you got a customer, you got a meeting or somewhere you need to be, you say, hey, let's, let's actually take advantage of this and let's go. So there's a lot of websites that offer that. Like you said, JetSuite offers that. JetSmarter is a good company that um, they offer stuff like that. There's a, a, a lot, if you type in like empty, empty legs on private jets, um, there are several companies that will show up as well as brokers um, individual charter companies that sell those legs, brokers that sell those legs, uh, and they negotiate the deal with the company too because they know the plane needs to go. They might as well make a little bit of money off of it. Um, so you can search that online. Uh, JetSmarter um, has a pretty cool tactic where they they decided that they were going to, uh, and a lot of other companies, they were going to sell kind of seats on a private jet. So, hey, we're doing like a shuttle. Um, you need to go from here to here. Well, all these other people do too. It's kind of like a crowdsourcing thing where you, you just like put the offer out and, and a bunch of people will go. Now you've got maybe six people on a private jet all essentially splitting the cost. Um, and you might not know the other people, but that doesn't really matter because you still get the private jet experience. And it's not like you're going to use up eight seats to yourself. You just really need one and, and the access to the, to the cabin and the other amenities and then to get there without going through security. So you get to show up like a baller <laughs> and, and, a ball, and walk through sliding glass door and onto a private jet and fly to wherever you want to go. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And not a lot of people got to do that, but I took a lot of my friends 
on, on stuff like that because obviously I had the inside access to this and I'd call them up and there were certain people that were able to take advantage and um, I did it on my off days as well and I, I would ride some empty jet legs and um, it, it was amazing. So we'd go fly somewhere for a couple days and uh, we'd, we'd buy an airline ticket on the way back or something, you know, a couple hundred bucks, that's worth it. So it, it was a, a pretty cool deal to be able to do that, and I think anybody is able to do that. Um, it's obviously going to be a little bit more than uh, your typical airline ticket if you're buying, like, middle seat and coach. You know, you're going to pay a little bit more than that, but it's the experience. It's, it's really, for a lot of people, it's a once-in-a-lifetime deal that you're going to be able to get to go on this private jet and ride and be able to, you know, sit back and recline the seat, put your feet up, and make yourself a drink and eat some snacks. It's a pretty cool thing. (laughs) I can attest to that, man. It's an incredible experience. And it's very true. It's like you said, man, it's something that people will not be able to get to do. And, you know, thank you for sharing that. I mean, look, I am rather certain that 99% of people had no clue that they could hop on an empty leg or something of that nature. So, you know, these are gems that you're sharing with us. So, look, you went and got your master's in entrepreneurship, right? I did. I so, did. so what's what's on the, you know, five-year, ten-year agenda outlook for, for you, man? Like, what do you, you want to do? I mean, now that you've had – because, look, I, I think it's very important to have exposure and inside access to the amount and the level and caliber of people that you've had for nearly a decade now, right? While those planes are in flight, while these conversations are being had, while business meetings are taking place, what you're seeing where, for lack of a better word, the elite of probably the domestic United States of America, where they're traveling to, what the most frequent destinations are for, like this level of person or this group of people, right? So I think maybe after seeing all that and experiencing that and having that inside access, you know, now that you've gone and got your MBA in, in, in entrepreneurship, you know, I would love to hear what you maybe have in store or what's what's on the back of your mind on the back burner. Yeah, um, I, I'd love to share. It was kind of a, a weird thing to go back to school after being out for 10 years. So that wasn't easy, but um, it was a really fun experience and I really wanted to do it to kind of hone hone my skills and, and my mind into to how to create uh, you know, a, a successful organization in, in whatever I wanted to create. Um, anything from, uh, you know, it can be an aviation company all the way down to non-aviation now, but just a successful business and, and build a good model, right? So that was what I really wanted to take out of the MBA is, is to uh, be able to look at an idea and be able to look at an opportunity and to say, hey, that's viable because of this, this, and this. And a lot of those quick tests for myself um, come from the people that I flew and the people that I talked to and, and what I learned and what I saw them doing. And, uh, and those, those things really are, uh, you know, it, you see an opportunity and for it to be an actual business, well, can I fit that into my, into my current lifestyle and will that really mesh with the way I want my life to go? Because like you asked, where do you, where do you want to see yourself in five years? 
is that a business that I want to see myself in in five years? Well, it might not be about making a bunch of money. It might be about, hey, that's actually going to take me away from the ocean, and I love the ocean, you know, or that's going to take me away from my kids way too much, and, and I can't do that. Or, you know, it's whatever goes along with your life, right? But if you can create that balance of success with your life and your business and do it all together in one, like you're doing, then then that's what success is, right? So I went to get my MBA, um, and man, this, this thing fell on my lap because um, I'm now in, uh, I fly commercial now. I fly for Alaska Airlines at this point, and I've been doing it for two and a half years, and, and it's been amazing. Um, and uh, I, I ended up getting based up in Seattle um, while I was doing my MBA, um, got hired by Alaska Airlines, and um, I was kind of like thrown to this Seattle environment. Like I, I thought I was going to be in LA, working out of LA, but I got based out of Seattle. So what that means, I have to fly to Seattle to start work. And my commute, like most of you got to commute into work. Well, I had to commute into work, which is up in Seattle from Orange County, which is where I live. So that was uh, kind of a tough thing at first. But what I did was um, I, bought a, I bought a place in Seattle. I bought a little condo, and uh, this little condo um, ended up being what I call and what the industry calls a crash pad, and what a crash pad is, is, um, have you ever heard of this term, crash pad? Yeah, we call it a pied de terre, but go ahead. (laughs) 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 Crash pad, crash pad is a little bit, you know what I'm saying? It's more of like, oh, did you you want a pied de terre here in the city? I can help you with that. Yes, okay. I remodeled it, I put bunk beds in, 
And I did the same thing for flight crew also up in Seattle. So this, this thing kind of took off and what I'm creating, I guess, is, is a solution to that problem that a lot of aviation personnel have is that they don't live where they're based and they don't want it either. They want to live where they want to live to create that lifestyle and that balance yeah. of the family life. And like, I want to live by the beach to go surf. And so I don't live in Seattle and that's fine. But a lot of people get based up there and they live in Boise. They live in maybe Alaska. They wow. Live, um, I have one person that lives in New York that, that is in my, in my pad up there. So they fly in, they stay for maybe a night or two or whatever, then they go fly their trip and they come back uh, and they might stay there a night before they fly home. So I, I created that business um, and, and that's, that's something that I really didn't plan on creating. It just kind of happened. And now I've been growing that. Um, I, I had different ideas for businesses I wanted to start while I was in, in school getting my master's. But in knowing what I know in the aviation world and what people need, uh, I created something within that. Um, and listen, I'd love to start like a restaurant. Or something. <laughs> I always wanted to start something fun. I'm like, you know, I was a bartender server for a long time. I love that world. But this thing came, and uh, and I understand the people. I understand the mindset. I understand why you need to have that, and it, it's been working super well. So, um, as far as five year plan goes. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to probably expand into another city or two here soon. Um, and then, uh, keep that going and, and who, who, who knows what else I'll, I'll kick off in the next couple of years. Cause, um, especially with this time period right now, I got, I got some free time. We're not flying as much. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sitting home creating these new ideas and, and seeing what can work out. And, um, and I think, you know, a lot of it came from, from these successful minds that I was around and people that I would talk to and I'd listen to, I'd see how they acted. And, um, you know, it, it's great to be around that, but it, it's even more great to act on that, right? To be able Dude. to just to, to do it and uh, to create it and then to run with it and to say, hey, who says you can't do that? Let's just go. <laughs> Let's <it>. go. <laughs> right? Dan, man, this has been incredible, bro. I want to thank you so much. For doing this i know that your time is valuable we have literally a minute and 50 seconds left it's to let him you know right now but thank you so much i want to recommend a book to you and to anyone else who's listening to this i just finished it for the second time it's called the four hour work week by tim ferris have you read it i have it oh dude you gotta get it okay so it's called it's called the four hour work week by tim ferris obviously that doesn't mean work four hours a week but for what you're doing, bro, and your mindset and like where you're at, please get that book and buy it and uh, read it and get it on Audible or whatever is easier for you. Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Um, I know a lot of people are going to want to get in contact with you after this. So, what is the best and easiest way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. You can do it here, Dan Scholl on Instagram. Um, you know, message me or whatever, or email me anytime, Daniel G. Scholl at yahoo.com. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, anyway, even my cell phone is, is all good. You can text me anytime. <laughs> hit, hit up Rowan. He'll give out my cell phone number. I give you freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Dan, man, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for doing this, bro. Have a good day. Oh.